137th sign. This grand sign relates to the Mubahala prayer duel of Le Grand. Let it be clear that in the end of my book, Surma Cheshmayariya, I had invited the Ariyas to a Mubahala and had written that the teaching I attributed to the Vedas is not correct and that the Ariyas are false in their repudiation of the Holy Quran. If they claim the teaching ascribed to the Vedas to be true or that the Holy Quran, God forbid, is not from God, then let them enter into a Mubahala contest with me. It was also written that the foremost person I challenged to Mubahala was Lala Murli Dhar, whom I had debated at Hushyarpur. Footnote start. It is obvious that it did not take much time to pen the few lines of the Mubahila, for the essence of a Mubahila is only this sentence that, naming oneself and the other party, one supplicates to God that whoever of the two of us is false be destroyed. Were Master Murli Dhar and Munshi Jivan Das too busy to write even these two lines? Rather, the fact of the matter is that they both were fearful to face the truth. However, Lekram, on account of his bad luck, was impudent and spiritually blind, so he took upon himself their punishment due to his wanton impudence. Ultimately, after engaging in the Mubahla, he passed away from this world on March 6, 1897, a Saturday. Next to him, my addressee was Lala Jivan Das, secretary of the Arya Samaj, Lahore, and after him, anyone from amongst the Aryas deemed to be respectable and scholarly was being addressed. In response to this writing of mine, Pandit Lekram engaged in the Mubahila with me through his book, Qabta Ahmadiyya, which he published in 1888 and is recorded at the end of the book. Thus, on page 344 of his book, Qabta Ahmadiyya, he writes the following as the preamble for the Mubahla. Since our respected and esteemed Master Murli Dhar and Munshi Jivan Das have no time on account of their official duties, therefore, of my own volition, and in response to their command, I have assumed charge of this task too. Thus, in keeping with the wise man saying that a liar should be taken to the end of his tether, I accept Mirza Zahib's latest request, i.e. a Mubahla, as well, and I hereby make the Mubahla well known by getting it printed. Text of the Mubahla Footnote start Parathetical comments given within the text of this Mubahla, as well as its footnotes that follow, are not from Pandit Lekram. Footnote end. Text of the Mubahla by Lekram. I, Lekram, a humble individual son of Pandit Tara Singh Sharma, the author of Taghzibe Barahin Ahmadiyya and of the present treatise, thereby depose solemnly and in full possession of my senses that I have read the treatise Surma Jashme Arya cover to cover not once, but several times, fully understanding its arguments. What is more, I published their refutation in the present treatise according to Saad Dharam, the true faith. I was not at all impressed by the arguments of Mirza Sahib, nor are they related to the truth. I hold my Parmeshwar, who is the Universal Father, as witness, and solemnly declare that, as the teaching enjoined in the four Vedas is the basis of guidance, I firmly believe that my soul and all souls are never subject to annihilation, 
that is non-existence never happened, nor will it ever happen to the souls. No one created my soul from nothingness. In other words, there is no one who created my soul. It has existed on its own since eternity. Rather, it has remained and shall forever remain under eternal providence of Brahmatma. Footnote start. What an absurd sentence this is, that it has forever been and shall forever remain under the eternal providence of Brahmatma. It is self-evident that whereas the souls as alleged by the Arya Samaj are self-existent since eternity, with all their strength and capabilities, what relationship do they possibly have with the Brahmishwar's providence? Brahmishwar can neither increase nor decrease these powers, nor can he for that matter expropriate them in any form whatsoever. According to the Aryas, all souls are their own Brahmishwars. They are not under the least obligation to Brahmishwar. Therefore, it must be remembered that the claim of Lekram and the rest of his religious fraternity that souls remain and shall continue to remain under the eternal sovereignty. Thus, it must be remembered that the claim of Lekram and the rest of his religious fraternity that souls remain and shall continue to remain under the eternal sovereignty of Barmatma is nothing more than an artifice to cover up the erroneous creed because human conscience constantly condemns him for such absurd beliefs. If God is not the creator of souls and their powers and of particles and their powers, then he cannot possibly be their God either. Also false is the assertion that even though we cannot call souls in their virgin state God's servant or creation as they were not created by him, yet when he infuses souls into bodies, he becomes their God by this much of his action because the Brahmeshwar who did not create souls and particles, along with all their powers, cannot reasonably be said to be capable of putting them together. Also, joining some of them with others will not entitle him to become the Parmeshwar. If that were so, he would be like the baker who procures flour from the bazaar, firewood from a timber shop, and fire from a neighbor, and then bakes his bread. In such a case, there would be no proof at all of the existence of Parmeshwar, because if souls with all their powers are self-existent since eternity, what is the argument to refute that the union and disunion of souls and particles has existed spontaneously since eternity, as contended by atheists? This is why the Arya Samajas cannot offer any argument for the existence of their Parmeshwar, nor do they have any such argument. This indeed is the sum total of the Vedic wisdom, which is taken pride in. It is obvious that two kinds of arguments can possibly be advanced in support of the existence of God. One kind of argument is established when his being is acknowledged as the fountainhead of all bounties, and only he is accepted as the creator of every being. As a consequence, it will necessarily follow that, whether the particles of the universe are considered or the souls or the material bodies, all these creations have a creator. The other method of knowing God is his ever-fresh signs that are manifested through the prophets and saints. The Riyasamajas deny them too. Thus they have no evidence for the existence of their Parmeshwar. It is rather strange that though the Riyas so frequently refer to their Parmeshwars as Pita, Father, as Lake Ram has written just recently in his article about the Mubahla, one wonders what kind of pitta he is. Is he the kind of pitta as when an adopted son addresses a stranger as his pitta, 
Or is he the kind of Pitta who is supposedly made through Niag, when the wife of an Arya, having destroyed her chastity, has illicit relations with another man, and thus the husband of that woman becomes the father of this child, which is obtained through Niag? For our part, we need not comment if the Parmeshwar of the Aryas is this kind of Pitta. However, if he is the kind of Pitta who is the source of souls and particles of the universe with all their capacities and which exists because of him, then this view is against the principal belief of the Arya. If you ask why is it against their principle, then let it be clear that according to the Arya principles, all souls are eternal partners with Parmeshwar, which were not created by him. How then can we call the Parmeshwar their Pitta? They have existed on their own as Parmeshwar has existed on his own. But this principle is erroneous. Those with an insightful eye can understand that the potentialities, characteristics, and qualities that are present in the Father are found in the Son too. Thus, since the souls are from the hand of God and possess the same color, reflectively, as is present in the being of God, and this color becomes more and stronger as the servants of God advance by means of love and devotion to Him in piety and purity, until divine light begins to manifest in such people reflectively. We see it clearly that the holy characteristics of God are latent in human nature that become manifest through self-purification. For instance, God is Rahim, ever-merciful, so does man after self-purification partake of the attribute of mercy. God is Jawad, generous, so does man after self-purification partake of the attribute of generosity. Similarly, God is Sadar, concealer, God is Karim, benevolent, God is Rafur, forgiver, so man too, after self-purification, partakes of all these attributes. Now who has invested the soul of man with these higher virtues? If God has done it, it proves that he is the creator of souls. If someone alleges that they have existed on their own sufficient for a reply is, the curse of Allah be upon the liars. Footnote end. By Hazrat Mizaghulam Ahmad Qadiani. Similarly, my physical matter, i.e. my elements or particles are eternal or self-existing is under the sovereign control of Paramatma and shall never become extinct, and no one else is the creator of the universe. I am not the master or the maker of the world like Paramatma, neither do I encompass it, nor am I omniscient. Rather, I am a humble servant of the All-Powerful One, but I have always existed in His knowledge and power. I have never ceased to exist, nor is there such a thing as non-existence. In fact, nothing is non-existent. Similarly, I acknowledge Vita's just teaching that mukti or salvation is granted according to the deeds till Mahakalba, after which, in accordance with the judgment of Parmeshwar, human shape has to be assumed once again. Footnote start. According to Hindu mythology, a kalpa is a period of time consisting of 4.32 billion years. Footnote end. Comment by Masiyamon, meaning their salvation is not permanent, it is only for a fixed period. By Lake Ram, limited actions do not have unlimited reward. Comment by Masiyamon, actions are limited indeed, but the intention of the sincere devotee is not limited. Besides, the limitation of the actions is not by his choice. By Lake Ram, I sincerely believe in all these teachings of the Vedas. I also believe that Parmeshwar does not 
at all forgives sins. Note by Masimon, what a strange Parmeshwar. By Legram, I do not rely on any intercession or recommendation. Note by Masimon, meaning that the prayer offered by someone for another is not accepted. By Legram, I do not reckon God to be Rashi or to be cruel. Note by Masimon, the word is Murtashi, which means one who accepts bribe. The word is not Rashi. This is an example of the scholarship of Lekram. He writes Rashi instead of Murtashi. By Lekram, in accordance with the Vedic teaching, I perfectly and rightly believe that all four Vedas are certainly divine revelation. There is not an iota of error or falsehood or mythology in them. Paramatma, God, reveals them for the guidance of all in every new world order. In the beginning, when creation of mankind started, Paramatma revealed the Vedas to the souls of the four rishis, or sages, namely, 1. Shri Agni, 2. Shri Vayu, 3. Shri Aditya, and 4. Shri Angira. He did so directly and not through Gabriel or any other courier. Footnote start. A look at the bodily system shows that man hears by means of air and sees by means of sunlight. Why are these two couriers appointed to the bodily system although the physical and spiritual laws of God should be mutually consistent? What a pity! The Vedic wisdom stands in contradiction to the laws of nature in every situation. Who says God is not omnipresent? He, on the other hand, is not only omnipresent but is also the Lord of the throne. An ignorant person would not understand this fine, insightful point. It is a point worth pondering that although everything in this world happens under Allah's command, yet in order to enforce His will, He has ordained certain means. Take, for instance, a poison that kills a man and an antidote that benefits. Can we imagine that these two affect the human body on their own? No, not at all. On the contrary, they exert adverse or beneficial effect by the will of God. Thus, they too represent a type of angels. Indeed, each and every particle of the universe whereby a variety of changes takes place is an angel of God. And our belief in Tawheed, oneness of God, is not complete unless and until we acknowledge each and every particle to be an angel of God. Because if we do not accept all causes that exist in this world to be the angels of God, we will have to admit that all these changes in the human body and in the universe are taking place on their own without the knowledge, intention, and approval of God Almighty. If so, we will have to admit that God is simply idle and unaware. Hence, this is the secret behind the belief in angels that without it, Tawheed cannot stand. We have to concede that every object and every effect is beyond the will of God. This indeed is understood about angels, that these are things that are functioning under divine command. Since this is necessary and established law, why then should the existence of Gabriel and Michael be denied? Footnote end by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Qadiani. By Lekram, he did it himself, for he is not in the heavens or on the throne, but is omnipresent. I also believe that the Vedas alone are the scriptures of the most perfect and holy divine wisdom that the entire world learnt excellence from the land of the Aryas, and that the Aryas alone are the first and foremost teachers of all. It is claimed by Muslims that 124,000 prophets have appeared 
over the last five to six thousand years outside the land of Aryaz and brought the Torah, Zubur, Psalms, Gospel, and the Quran. After closely studying and understanding these scriptures, I consider all the religious teachings contained in them to be spurious and counterfeit to defame the true revelation. They have no proof in favor of their truth except greed or foolishness or the sword. Just as I consider other things that are opposed to the truth to be false, so do I believe the Quran and its principles and teachings that are against the Vedas to be erroneous and false. Note by Musimot, the curse of Allah be upon the liars. By Lekram, but my opponent is Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. He believes the Quran to be the word of God and considers all its teachings to be correct and right. Just as after studying the Quran, etc., I consider the Quran to be false, so does he, the totally illiterate and absolutely bereft of Sanskrit and Nagari, believes the Vedas to be false without studying or perusing them. Footnote start. If I have not read the Vedas, at least Lekram has mastered all four of them. Here too, what more can be said then? The curse of Allah be upon the liars. A debate is always over principles, whereas the Aryasamajists have themselves published the Vedic principles. Then every reasonable person has the right to discuss them, and it is absolutely wrong to allege that I have not read the Vedas. I have read from end to end the translations of the Vedas published in this country. I have also perused Pandit Dayanand's Vidbash, and for some 25 years I have been constantly debating with the Aryas. To say that I know nothing about the Vedas is a blatant lie. If the Arya Pandits have acknowledged Lake Ram's Vedic scholarship, I am eager to see that certificate. On the contrary, his status is not one bit more than what God has said about him. He is just a lifeless body of a calf, out of which issues a disagreeable sound. Footnote end by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. By Lake Ram, O Parmeshwar, do judge truly between the two of us, for a liar can never be honored like a truthful one in your presence. Your eternal servant, Lake Ram Sharma, Sobasad Arya Samaj Peshawar. Presently editor, Arya Gazette, Farozpur, Punjab. Pandit Lekram incorporated this Mubahla prayer in his book, Khapte Ahmadiyya, on page 344-347. After this, the verdict which God has delivered from heaven, and the way he has exposed his ignominy of the liar, and the honor of the truthful one, is what happened after 4 o'clock on Saturday, March 6th, 1897. Behold, this is the verdict of God, the verdict which Lake Ram sought from his Parmeshwar, so that the difference between the truthful and the liar may become evident. In the book is a photo of the dead body of Pandit Lake Ram. Remember that there are not one but two signs in it. First, is that the death of Lake Ram is itself a grand prophecy in which the day of his assassination was foretold. The manner of his death was foretold, the term was foretold, and the time was foretold. Second is that no trace of the killer could be found despite every effort and search, as if he had ascended to the heavens or disappeared into the earth. Had the killer been arrested and hanged, the prophecy would have not retained its present value. In that case, everyone could have said, just as Lake Ram was killed, so was his killer. 
but the killer vanished in such a manner that one wonders whether he was human or an angel who had ascended to the heavens. 138th sign. Bear in mind that acceptance of prayer is one of the primary signs to know the status of the servants of God. In fact, there is no sign like the acceptance of prayer because acceptance of prayer proves that a humble human is respected and honored in the court of Allah. Although it is not necessary that prayer be accepted in every situation, at times the God of honor of glory pursues his own pleasure. Nevertheless, there is no doubt that it is the unique sign of the elect of God that their prayers are accepted with great preponderance in comparison to others, and no one can be with them in the distinction of acceptance of prayer. I declare in the name of God Almighty that thousands of my prayers have been accepted. If I were to write them all, it would produce a massive volume. I have written about this earlier to some extent, and here again I record the acceptance of some of those prayers. Among others, one incident of the acceptance of my prayers is that a sincere follower of mine, Sayyid Nasir Shah, now an overseer in Baramullah Kashmir, was very distressed under his superior officers. His promotion was being obstructed, and in fact, his service was in jeopardy. Once he firmly resolved to resign in order to spare himself the daily torture. I told him not to do so, but he was so fed up with his employment that he begged repeatedly and humbly for permission, saying that his life was in the grip of a calamity. He insisted beyond the extreme and complained that the door to promotion was closed for him, and he even feared lest he might suffer irreparable loss at the hands of some tyrant. At this I said to him, be patient for a few days, I will pray for you, and if you still face hardships, you are permitted to resign. Then I prayed to the Almighty for him and begged the Lord of Honor for his success. The result was that, instead of the earlier situation of risking his job, he was unexpectedly promoted. Below I reproduced a letter from Sayyid Nasir Shah, indicating the effect of the prayer on his dire condition. It runs as follows. Letter of Sayyid Nasir Shah to your holiness, the esteemed master and mentor, may your benign shade remain forever. This humble one, Sayyid Nasir Shah, after saying, May Allah's peace and his mercy and blessings be upon you, begs to report that your holiness's prayer has produced this effect, that due to the blessing of your holiness's prayer, an increase in rank and salary took place. I distinctly remember the words of your holiness when I, feeling dejected, had submitted that I would then resign from this employment. Your Holiness had observed with great kindness and compassion. Need not worry, I will pray. God has the power to turn these very enemies into your friends. So your honor, God be praised that it has transpired in accordance with those very words of your honor. The same enemies later became friends and supporters for me. God inclined their hearts towards me due to your honor's prayer. Another great miracle took place due to the blessing of your honor that the higher authorities had raised the objection against me that since Nasir Shah has not graduated from college, nor does he carry any diploma or degree, he cannot possibly deserve an increment in rank. On the one hand was this objection, and on the other, your honor's letter that you had prayed as much as possible. Indeed, your honor, that was the day when papers concerning me were put up before the council. My boss spoke strongly for me. The strange part of it is that the erstwhile opponents of mine were the ones who supported my case genuinely, 
and with good intentions sponsored my promotion, with the result that the resolution for my promotion was passed without any hindrance. Allah be praised for it. Huzur, yesterday I sent a sum of 50 rupees by post. Kindly do accept it and pray for my safety from the vicissitudes of life and for my righteous end. Amin. Humbly yours, Sayyid Nasir Shah, Overseer, Baramullah Kashmir.